we thank you for uh, better, safer travel more winter with that. And we thank you for that. For bright sunshine, so bright off the white snow that we can hardly look at it. Remind us of scripture talking about how you, Lord Jesus, by your sacrifice, make us on the inside whiter than snow. Hallelujah. Bless you. God, we need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your love and grace come now. Help us to understand your word, take it to heart, love you more, Lord Jesus, and be able to share it with others as you give us opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Let's throw up my... We've been stuck, we haven't stuck. We've been stuck in chapter 20 for a long time, but for my illustration out there, kind of gets back in the flow. So the first part of chapter 20, uh, Satan is bound by an angel with a key and he throws him into the abyss, locks him up. It's a prison for how many years? A thousand years. Commonly called the what? Millennium. Millennium. So during that time, where's the Antichrist and the false prophet during this time? Where? They're already in the lake of, I call it Lake Hell. <laughs> Uh, fire and sulfur, they're already there. So Satan is bound up for a thousand years. He can't do anything. can't have any influence on the people on the earth. During that time, we get, we get to do what with Jesus? Party. Rule and reign on the earth. Um, Luke especially, but the Christmas, we, we call it the Christmas story, parts of the gospel. Um, the angel is really clear when he talks to Mary. He says, your son will rule on the throne of David forever. Super, super amazing clear. And you're going, wow. Why is the angel? I mean, that's the end, that's the end game. Your child, Mary, the one you bear, is going to do all these things, and here's the end result. He's going to rule on the earth from David's throne in Jerusalem. Pretty amazing, powerful stuff. We don't usually catch it at Christmas so much, but talking about Revelation, basically, in times. So we get to rule and reign with Christ. He's got the scepter, iron scepter. It says thousand years on there. And uh, then this is where we're at now. <clears throat> Turning loose. This is fire down from heaven. We'll, we'll, we'll find out about that. But that's where we're at right now. Maybe, I don't know if you have it handy or not, the handout notes on Revelation 19 and 20 looks like that. Maybe that'd be helpful to glance at that for a second. Again, just keep in mind where we're at. We're in the middle of John's seven visions. Seven times he said, I saw this, I saw that, I saw this. Seven, seven of those I saw visions. Uh, first three are in Revelation 19. The first one is the white horse. Then the birds are invited to come and eat because what's the third thing he saw? He saw the battle of Armageddon in the aftermath. Then chapter 20, devil banished. Um, verses 1 to 3, verses 4 to 10, millennium, Satan released. And that's where we're at today is verse 11. No, 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 no. Verse 7. That's so where we're at today, verse 7, uh, the release of Satan. Okay, so let's go to verse 7. Any questions or 
comments with the review. <clears throat> Chapter 20, verse 7, new material. When the thousand years, and if you're counting how many times that word has been used, that's the sixth time. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog. And that's, we talked about that a little bit, I think, a couple Sundays ago. Earlier in Revelation, that's, that's probably more of a specific reference to Gog is the leader. Magog generally is that region. So, Gog and Magog, earlier, that's a reference to previous battle, the Armageddon, and Gog is the leader of um, the Magog coalition, and that's, the, Magog is a region in Russia, okay, north of, north of Israel. But this is more of a reference because it tells us where is, is uh, Satan going to recruit for his followers for this battle? Going to deceive who in verse 8? Deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. So, where is he going to recruit from? Yeah, the whole planet. So, Gog and Magog is a reference to remember back when um, the Antichrist gathered his forces and his main body of forces was from the Russian area, but he gathered them from other places too. Remember back, this it's a similar kind of thing. So he's going to go out and see the nations in the four corners of the earth, the whole planet. Does it tell us how he's going to do the deceiving, the recruiting? It just, just really hit me as we go, like, I wonder how he's going to do that. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the physical, how's he going to get the message out that, hey, I'm, I'm back, I'm back, you know, how's he going to get the message out is just what I was curious about. Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating, right? The millennium, what are we going to be at, doing with technology and stuff? Um, that's really interesting question. Don't know. Don't know any of the answers. But apparently he has no trouble getting his message out. He goes out and deceives the nations in the four corners of the whole planet. It'll be like Gog and Magog gathering his forces to go against Jerusalem to gather them for battle. So they recognize what he's asking them to come and do. Says in number, so so how many people respond to this? We've had a thousand years. Could there be lots of people on the planet? Yeah, yeah you could have millions easily. So in number, they are like the sand of the seashore. So how have things been going spiritually on the planet? 
he's towards the end of the millennium. Again, not so good. But, but wait a minute. Who's been ruling and reigning for a thousand years? Jesus with his perfect, sinless saints. Um, has anybody been able to say for a thousand years the devil made me do it? He's had no influence whatsoever on the planet for a thousand years. Man is just left to himself. <laughs> so, this is, I think I mentioned before, Lutherans really jump on something and go, like, oh, the depravity of man. <laughs> we are worms. We're, you know, there's a lot of scriptures. If you want to have a depression party, you can look up a bunch of scriptures that describe our condition without Christ. Enemies of God, children of wrath, um, just goes on and on and on. Apart from Christ, uh, it's a it's a despicable picture. Sin has ruined us, and we all have it. But goodness, he he recruits around the planet, and he gets so many followers that the numbers like the sand of the seashore. So the whole planet is just waiting for someone to help them rise up and rebel. After a thousand years of perfect rule and reign, peace, no, no sin from your rulers and judges, those have all been perfect. We, we can't imagine, right? How good it's going to be. What do you think they volunteer? Volunteer? Together you volunteer, or is it forced? Well, right after. Right, volunteer forced. Yeah, good question. He says he, he goes out to deceive, so what's what's the nature of his deception? What's he telling the, the people who are going to follow him? We're going to go to Jerusalem and do what? We're going to wake up. Though. We're going to win. <laughs> You're tired of following his laws, aren't you? You're tired of being good all the time, aren't you? You're tired of not getting away with anything, aren't you? I promise you freedom. Well, what's our nation reveling in right now? Freedom from any kind of laws. God's laws or man's laws. I promise you freedom to do whatever you want to. I promise you no more, no more, no more goody two shoes ruling and reigning over your life. I promise no more iron scepter from Jerusalem crushing any nation that even thinks about starting a war. And the part of the deception is we're going to win. And how many times has he promised this? So that's the nature of the deception. So it looks to me like volunteers. Yeah. The people respond. I'm really careful to not do this too much, but um, Jonathan Kahn has a new book out, Return of the Gods. It'll help you understand exactly what we're dealing with. I mean, we, we pretty much know, but it gives more detail, more background, more history. This has happened before in world history. Um, 
we're doing it better or worse depending on how you look at it. We're doing it worse than ever before, but really amazing. Well, that was great to get it. Jonathan Kahn, Return of the Gods. You know, we're, we're really familiar with that passage where Jesus says, um, you cast out the strong man, then, then the house is clean. But if you leave the house empty, what happens? The demons come back, and, and what's 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 different about the situation when they come back? Seven, Seven times worse. Well, I I was totally unaware, but he quotes that passage, and at the end of that little parable that Jesus uses, he likens it to national level, not just personal level. He likens it to national level. So, he, so in the book, Khan goes through and he shows what happens when Christianity came into nations that had been worshiping demons and false gods and stuff. Well, it transformed the nation, right? So it kicked out all the demons and the false gods and stuff, and, and Christ's kingdom pretty much took over. So in, in America has, has had that kind of history. So what happens when the house is no longer filled with the presence of God and walking of the Lord? Comes back into our nation with what kind of impact? It's bad, right? But how bad is it? It's seven times worse than it ever was before. And he, he just detailed all the stuff and he just told it. So it's really super insightful. I haven't quite finished it yet. I'm in 15 point pages, but super, super insightful. Okay, we're back here in verse 8. So Gog and Magog <coughs> gathers them for battle in number they like the sand on the seashore. So I'm kind of curious. It doesn't mention it here, but so they're gathering for battle. I wonder about us. You know, all, all the state ones who've been ruling and reigning. They start gathering for battle. They're going to surround Jerusalem. I wonder if we get called back to Jerusalem? You know, we have resurrection bodies, right? So do we need to get plane tickets and rush back and stuff? No. Right? How, how do we get there? Remember Jesus walking through walls with his resurrection body? Can you track it with me? We got resurrection bodies. We don't need no planes. Trains or automobiles. I bet you, I bet you, Jesus, our commander in chief, amen. Jesus is probably like, you know what? Everybody come on back. Satan's forces are drawing near and we're going to wrap this whole thing up. Not that we need protection or anything else, but just, I, I just, again, it's Pastor Joe speculating, but I'm just kind of going, you know, you'll see why I think maybe that's the case. But, um, so they gather, verse 9, they marched across the breadth of the earth, surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. Anything kind of jump out to there is kind of interesting? So, I'll just go. 
Right. So Satan thinks he's showing strength. They march and gather from all over the world. So, so the whole planet, I mean, they're coming from all sides, right? And uh, he's the master of terror, among other things. But he's trying to create terror in the city. Oh, look at that. You can't count. There's so many, all that kind of stuff. So he's trying to bring fear, which he loves to work with. Uh, surrounds the camp of God's people. That I didn't expect that description. Camp of God's people. I mean, that word is rarely used in the Bible. It's uh, more commonly used of uh, troops. You know, bring their tents and stuff. Back in those days, when you go, when you go to surround Jerusalem, you bring your tents with you. So you pop up thousands and thousands of tents, and that's where the troops sleep at night. So it's, it's a little bit more kind of an allusion to that. They surround the camp of God's people. So it apparently is, is hinting at uh, us being prepared for, for, for battle kind of thing. Um, they surround the camp of God's people. And that's what makes me think what, we're all there. If the Satan's forces are coming from all over the world surrounding the camp of God's people, where are all God's people at? Sounds like we're all there in Jerusalem. <clears throat> the city he loves. Mm-hmm. Now, how can we interpret that? The city he loves. There's a couple different ways. In the natural realm, what's the city God loves? Jerusalem. Okay, great. In the spiritual realm, what's the city he loves? The people. Yeah, it's us. Who, who is the new Jerusalem? The people. We are. So I, I think it's both, but it's, it's more, more probably us primarily, the city, the people he loves surrounding us. And so we're practicing how to do warfare in battle. We're practicing our sword, our sword stuff. Is that, is that what we're doing? <laughs> I think we're worshiping. Yeah, we're worshiping. I don't know if we're standing on the... Promises. <laughs> yeah. If we're standing on the walls and watching them approach, I don't know. We're probably just worshiping, rejoicing. Because uh, we've, we've known the Lord intimately, perfectly for a thousand years. We don't have, we don't have any fears or concerns. It says, then, uh, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them. So, poof. And that's it. So this is really finally, you can always say finally. So finally, the Bible says that death is the last enemy to be destroyed. This, this is the moment. This is the last time there's death on planet Earth. I'm curious about um, when the fire happens that cleanses the planet. In preparation for new heaven and new earth. That could just things are occurring before. Isn't it funny how obvious things sometimes slip past us? Maybe it's just my brain does that. But I'm like, Revelation doesn't specifically say, and now God cleanses the planet with fire. It doesn't say that specifically anywhere. Now we're at the end, there's a couple of spots here where it could easily be where it could happen. But um, it just kind of surprises me that something on that level that we're kind of looking for um, 
God doesn't impress upon John to tell us directly, here's what happens. That's on Bob. We're on a need to know basis. Yeah, need to know basis. <laughs> but I want to know, Bob. <laughs> yeah, but you don't need to. Right, exactly. <laughs> so here it says, fire came down from heaven and devoured them. It sounds like, is that fire, is it possibly this fire that cleanses the planet? Or what do you think? It's an all-consuming fire. Yes. It, it, and, and God's tired of this earth. He, he's finally, it's the last straw. He's tying Satan up and <coughs> throwing him into hell. Yeah. Why not end it up and bring the new heavens and new earth? Yeah. So I think, I'll tell you, here it sounds like the fire is specifically devouring the people who've come against Jerusalem. Seems like it's localized in a sense. But <coughs> when you look at the big picture, this could be the moment. Uh, I think there's a good, better, stronger moment coming up, uh, but it could be this moment. So we'll kind of keep that in the back of our minds and see if that next uh, few verses down something pops up. We'll think that that's more likely the spot. The fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast, that's the Antichrist, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. When had they been thrown there? Yep, a thousand years before. They've already been there for a thousand years. They've set up camp. You know? But now the devil, um, is he invited to join them? How does that work? He was yes. thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They, now who's the they? Yeah, all three of them. They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Did you get rest breaks? Did you get naps? Okay, so my illustration, pretty simple. Oops. There be the devil. And here's the fire from heaven that devours all of his troops. And he himself is thrown into the lake of sulfur. The beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet are already there. For eternity. And amen. Is that when the party starts? The party? Yeah, the party in heaven, or hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I've heard it called that before. <laughs> yeah. Who threw them in? There's a couple of books out by folks who say they experienced hell and God brought them back. And I don't know if you want to read them or not. But, um, if you want a, a sense what the experience might be like. Those books will make it really clear. So hell is the absence of, of God in any way, shape, or form. So if God is light, what do you have in hell? Dark. Utter darkness. If God is life, you have ongoing death. 
um, if God is is breath, this is what one person says. It's like you're gasping for air. There's all kinds of things. The absence of God, and the utter absence of God. And it, we don't, of course, the planet doesn't realize it now, but we have so many blessings right now. I know, I know life is hard. But we've got beautiful sunrises and sunsets, and we have gorgeous days, and we have water and food and all those kinds of things. And those are all gifts and blessings from God because of His presence. And the rest of the world doesn't recognize it or thank Him for it. The Bible's clear God sends rain on the, the just and the unjust. They're getting blessings all the time from God every day. Yeah, good. Other questions or comments through verse 10? It says the fire came down and devoured them. So it devoured the people that he had. What? They just took food, they go to hell. Well, yeah. They don't go to the lake of sulfur. Not yet. In the very next few verses, we do the devil, but when? Yeah. Yeah, at this moment. And then immediately following this is the great white throne judgment to wrap all up to wrap up all the judgments and eternal destinations. So immediately follows on this. So yeah, good question. Immediately Satan is thrown into the lake. And then we'll see where the other folks go. Yeah. Who do you think actually threw the devil in? Yeah, it, oftentimes it tells us who's doing the binding, who's doing the throwing, stuff like that. And in this particular spot, it doesn't mention that. So what do you think? Who, who threw him? Because a, an unnamed angel locked him up, which is kind of a humiliating thing, I'm sure. So I'm curious if again, if it's an unnamed angel, because he, he's done, he's kaput. His last effort is crushed by fire from the Lord. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't mention who throws him into the lake of fire forever. <laughs> Didn't he throw himself in the lake of fire by just going against God in the first place? Yeah, you can put it that way too. I, I mean, he made the choice, and I don't think he would choose to go there willingly. He'd be tormented forever. Throwing to me sounds like an active force, whether it be just a command of God or the, the impulse of God or an angel. Yeah. Maybe it's the ones that have been battling with him all these years, for eternity already. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the angels should rejoice at that. <laughs> Anything else through ten? Sure. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, he hasn't yet, as I recall. Janet's asking if Jonathan connects to Isaiah. Because um, Isaiah, Jeremiah is really focused on a specific time period more so. Isaiah covers the whole shooting match. So in Isaiah, we see lots of the nation drifting away and then repenting and coming back. You see it in Judges, too, of course. Tons and tons of it. Um, and you see a progression. Gets, the drifting gets worse each time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. That's very possible. I've never really taken notice of that, but it makes sense to me. So John writes, then I saw, so this is vision number six, if you're making note of that in your Bibles. Uh, vision number six, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. So just, um, you remember anywhere else in scripture, great white throne being mentioned? I did a deep dive. This is the only place in the Bible it's mentioned. This verse right here. I mean, God and his throne is all over the place, right? So that this great white throne, this is the only place it's mentioned. So why would it be in this situation we're going to get the judgment here? Why would it be, why would John see a great white throne for the judgment seat of God? Why white? Purity. Purity, cleanness. Are any of God's judgments going to miss the mark? Are any of them going to be too harsh? Too lenient? You know, movies? How often do we hear of people released from prison who've been in there 10, 15, 20, 25 years and they discover, whoops, guess you didn't do it after all. Here we go. I mean, this last six months I've read of three or four people like that. But uh, there's going to be no move ups here. So, white throne, perfect, clean, righteous judgment. Great white throne, him who was seated on it. Who's seated on this great white throne? 
Right. Really fascinating because you can look at I didn't, I didn't dig them up. You can look at different passages. Some sound like the Father does the judging. The other passages sound like Jesus does the judging. It's kind of like they're passing back and forth. <laughs> but but this is there's two there's three persons right in the Godhead. But there's three gods, one God. So the judgment is something that comes from the Lord. But um, this God the Father is ultimately the buck stops with him. Amen. So here's here's the second place where I wonder if this is where the fire happens. It says, Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. What do you think that means? First fled from whose presence? They fled from whose presence? God. God on the throne. Why did earth and sky flee? I mean, who's going to be judged here? Is God going to judge creation? Uh, creation doesn't have a soul or a mind, you know, whatever. So that's not what's happening here. So why in the world does earth and sky flee from God's presence? There was no place for them. Yeah, he cleaned everything. Well, if we're right, if we're right in what we've seen so far, that the, the cleansing has not happened yet, the new heaven, new earth have not happened yet, and it hasn't happened yet in Revelation, we'll hear in a few verses, <coughs> then the cleansing has to happen before the new heaven, new earth, right? So that's why I feel like the timing, I feel like this is probably it. This is probably the moment when the fire does the cleansing. And, you know, just a few verses before, the fire wiped out the forces that came against Jerusalem. Um, could be the same thing, both, you know, both and. Um, we don't, it doesn't, John doesn't tell us how long from the destruction of the forces that came against Jerusalem how long before the great white throne is set up? Doesn't give us any indication of time passing. Was it, was it a short time? Was it a week? Doesn't give us any indication. Kind of feels like when you're when you're finally done, 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 actually done with a huge, humongous project. What do you want to do? Um, what do they do on TV all the time when they finish a month-long project, fixing up a house or something? They bring the couple in, right? And it's the big, the reveal. Everything is beautiful and perfect and new. I don't know. I feel like this is the moment. So it might be both that when the fire came down from heaven and devoured them, then God used that same fire to cleanse the planet. And I'm, I just want you to know I'm speculating a little bit here, just trying to put some pieces together. <clears throat> so don't go online and say that's what you said. Well, you can do that. But... <laughs> well, how long is it going to take for the Great White Throne? Yeah. How long is it going to take for the Great White Throne judgment? Do we have a time frame on that? Well, I think 
I think at this point, time doesn't really function anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So, will it be fast? Will it be long? Yes. <laughs> um, there won't be a, a sense of the clock ticking. So, I don't know. What do you think? Am I off base, or do you think this is a real possibility? This is when the cleansing happens. Feels like it, because as soon as this judgment is done, we get the new heaven and new earth. So I feel like this is it. Is this like for me to talks about fire. Second Peter chapter three. Verse ten. Right Second Peter three verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed or dissolved by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God, and speed is coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. So that's how Peter describes it. He mentions the heavens and the earth, the elements. Interesting. So I think in that verse, he takes us back to Peter, 2 Peter 3 7, and there it talks about the day of judgment. Say 
that's really excellent, Janet. Second Peter chapter three, verse seven. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the what? Day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Does that nail it? That sounds like a tiny thing to me. So the fire and cleansing happens on the, the day of what? The day of judgment. Wow. Good fire. Yes, you did. You saw you saw the note. You saw the footnote. Oh, that's good. I gotta I gotta write that in my revelation record quick before I visit. Everything. Oh yeah, I get it. All right. Excellent. Now we need to wrap up. And we'll dip our toes into the books and what's going on with the judgment day. Okay, Lord, thank you for uh, answering our question about the tiny, when does the fire the cleansing happen? Uh, we're looking forward to a new, perfect heaven and earth like the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve got to enjoy with you. Wow, so many good things coming. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace, mercy, and love. Help us to uh, pray, witness, and bring others on board for the trumpet. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.